Hey there, before we get started on this episode, I just want to make this little note because we recorded this before we got the sad news that Christopher Tolkien passed away on January 16th, 2020. Christopher Tolkien, for those that don't know, is the son of J.R.R. Tolkien, who of course wrote Lord of the Rings. And I've only just begun to skim the surface of this world and universe, and even I know how much it how how much work and effort and energy Christopher Tolkien put into preserving his father's works and editing it and and doing things to make sure that the the things that his father worked so hard and dearly on were seen by others that would enjoy it. So thank you so much for that, Christopher Tolkien, and um, you will be missed. From WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 29, all about the voice of Saruman, chapter 10, book three of The Two Towers, being the 29th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Casey Winters from Hello from Elsewhere. Welcome, Casey. Hello, hello. And glad to be here. Listeners, uh, you may recognize the voice from approximately 10 seconds ago because <laughs> Casey did the from WBE lovely intro that we have at the beginning of all of our podcasts now. It still weirds me out. I forget about it. And then I go to listen. I'm like, oh, new episode. And then I play I'm like, ah, that's me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's great. It's so great. I love, I love, I think Ethan was the one that edited it together because it's so. Yeah, yeah. I love that it fits in with the WB&E radio call letters and it feels like right. a radio station. It's it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Also great is this chapter. The voice right? of Saruman. Yes. I'm so excited. We we meet him finally. It's it's He's been a long here. time coming. Right. It starts off with within the I highlighted in the first paragraph there is use of the phrase it says covered with scum and wreckage and I was like Tolkien you could have used flotsam and jetsam that would have been a great time <laughs> to put those words in and you didn't you right. used scum and wreckage I don't know why I think I have like a personal vendetta now against the words flotsam and jetsam and it's really weird because ever since last week's episode and the whole thing a couple weeks ago where i was like those aren't real words i see those words now all the time in every day like i heard it recently just hyper aware of it yeah like on a different there was another podcast i was listening to where they mentioned it or they said it and i was like what is going on why are people using these words all of a sudden it's also interesting here in the first like page at least it's my first page uses the word word slime or slimed like twice. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of slime it's here. It's very, <laughs> yeah, it's very gross and icky. And it kind of helps set the scene because one of the points they try to make to Saruman throughout the chapter is like, dude, look around. This this place that you once held in such high regard as being a like stronghold is in wreckage and it's disgusting and we've completely ruined it. Like face reality. Yeah. It's all just yeah, covered with yeah, scum and wreckage. There's tumbled rock, pitted with blackened holes. Yeah, everything's just a wreck. So after the gang finishes their meal, they go to catch up with Theoden and Gandalf at this point. I can't remember if Treebeard is with them at this point. I don't think so. Uh, no, no. Um, Treebeard has gone off to do something else. The ants are always just, they're doing their own thing. They meet up with Gandalf and Theoden. And I like that Mary, so Mary says, oh, we feel like we've had a good rest. And after our meal, I feel a little bit calmer now. I'm not as angry or stressed about this whole Saruman situation as I was. And Gandalf is like, oh, that's good for you because I'm still very mad at him. Let's go. Because right. <laughs> um, Mary says, still, we feel, we feel less ill-disposed towards Saruman than we did. Do you indeed, said Gandalf? Well, I do not. <laughs> and then once again warns everyone, like, please be chill. Let me handle this situation. And no jokes, he says. Yes, says do, do not, not jest. <laughs> and we've seen this happen before uh, when they go to, when they arrive at Edoras, that's like the first thing that he tells Aragorn, Legolas, yeah. and Gimli is like, let's 
let's do this calmly. And then almost immediately, they, the first chance they get, they they mess it up. So I was like, oh, right. this is going to go well. But <laughs> they're pretty well behaved, I think. They just kind of sit there and let Gandalf take over. Right, yeah. The whole situation. They've learned their lesson. Exactly. <laughs> he warns them that Saruman is... He, I think he says the phrase, yeah, a wild beast cornered is not safe to approach. And Saruman has powers you do not guess. Beware of his voice. Beware of his voice. He says all these things. That's like Saruman's still evil. Like he's definitely, like just because he's in this tower doesn't mean we're safe, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, okay, who wants to come with me? I'm like, why are they going to talk to him? And why are they going to do this as a group if he's so dangerous? Like if he's so dangerous, right. you, w- you wouldn't go. Right. And then Theoden's like, I'm old and I'm not really scared to die. So I guess I'll go. With I know. <laughs> so I made, I posted the meme for, I think it was Road to Isengard. So I did the, I did like, no one, absolutely no one. Theoden, it's not easy being yeah. old. And I kind right. of did that yeah, as a joke, <laughs> like exaggerating it. Cause I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't actually play the old card a lot. But, but he keeps doing it. He yeah. really does. He really does. Like I was kind of joking at first, but now I'm like, that actually is Theoden. <laughs> well, and I love too that right here, he's like, he's like, I'm old. So I'm going to take Aramir with me because he's pretty awesome. And then Gandalf's like, well, I'm going to take Aragorn with me. It's like, they're like competing or something. Yeah. It's really <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, well, my right hand man is better than your right hand man. It's like they're, it's like they're picking gym. It's like they're picking like dodgeball teams. For teams. Gym, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but then nobody picks Marion Pippin and they're just like sad on the bench. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. Gandalf says, I will go up. I've been in Orthanc and I know my peril. I too will go up, said the king. I'm old and fear no peril anymore i wish to speak with the enemy who has done me so much wrong and basically everyone's like yeah i'll come i'll come and gandalf i think tells oh no who else never mind i thought i thought gandalf told mary and pippin not to say but yeah they don't yeah, get they picked yeah. they don't get picked to play dodgeball and it says mary and pippin sat on the bottom step feeling both unimportant and unsafe <laughs> like what a Merry and Pippin line. Such a Right. I'm just imagining like a high school retelling of Lord of the Rings, like in a you know, set in a high school. They're going up against like some scary other dodgeball team and they're picking their teams and poor Mary and Pippin just didn't get picked at all and they just... have to stay behind. <laughs> They definitely would have been the kids on the field trip. The teacher's like, okay, does everyone have their buddy? Or are all of the, you know, buddy groups here? Oh, we're all good. Okay. And then the bus pulls away and it cuts to like Mary and Pippin still (laughs) wandering the museum. Like, where did our class go? They left us. Oh, geez. (laughs) They were at the vending machines probably. Yeah. (laughs) That's, yeah, they're probably the vending machines trying to like, bang on the glass and get food down for free without having to pay for anything. Then they arrive and Gandalf kind of just like knocks on the door and it's like, Saruman, come out, come out wherever you are. (laughs) We get our first real life look. I say real life, it's a book, but this is our first encounter with Saruman. We have not actually seen him for ourselves. We've heard of him and we've heard Gandalf tell his encounters with him, but we haven't actually experienced him firsthand. So it felt very momentous of like, it's him. It's him. The man, the myth, the legend. Right. Well, and even right before that, Grima is the one that talks first. And he's like, you know, oh. who is it? And it, it's interesting that they're just both Grima and Saruman are introduced here like as voices versus as people first, you know? Yeah. And then also I like this line where Theoden, he says, I know that voice and I curse the day when I first listened to it, mm-hmm. you know, calling back to when Wormtongue was sort of whispering the the evils in his ear, which which is what makes Saruman interesting, I think, because it's not like ever explicitly explained that whether Saruman sort of gave some power to Wormtongue to therefore, you know, whisper in in Theoden's ear, or if if Grima just has some of that power a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but e- either way, it's really cool that, you know, Theoden's been poisoned by this voice in the past, and here he is to sort of confront it. Yeah. Yeah, this chapter is real. I mean, it's called the voice of Saruman, but this idea of voices is through is throughout this chapter it's really it's really really focused on yeah Wormtongue goes and fetches Saruman since he's still his like sniveling little servant and suddenly another voice broke low and melodious it's very sound and enchantment 
Those who listened unwarily to that voice could seldom report the words that they heard, and if they did, they wondered, for little power remained in them. Mostly, they remembered, only that it was a delight to hear the voice speaking. All that it said seemed wise and reasonable, and desire awoke in them by swift agreement to seem wise themselves." It's amazing that we have the, it's a full paragraph of just the description of his voice and everything before he even speaks. Yeah, I love that passage. It's my favorite. And and later it, in that same paragraph toward the end, it says, for those whom the voice conquered, the spell endured when they were far away and ever they heard that soft voice whispering and urging them. That immediately made me think about Worm Tongue as well, like sort of has that voice been whispered? whispered to him and as it lingered and so therefore he transferred it to Theoden like it's very interesting to think about and it's like I said it's never really made explicit but yeah it's just kind of this once again the I think (laughs) I've gotten some like comments and, and messages about whenever I make fun of this general unexplained magic in in these books yeah. but I mean, it re- like it yep. happens here. We don't really get a full explanation. And maybe we will in the right. future. I don't know. Just a reminder, listeners, I don't know what happens next. I don't know. Well, and it's it's funny because we were actually talking about this in your um, on the Discord server in the spoilers area because someone had asked, like, is this like spoilery? Should we tell Mary Clay this? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that's spoilery. So I'm going to take the opportunity to. OK, yes. Yes. Listeners, um, by the way, you can join our Discord by going to patreon.com slash Tolkien about pod and join it for three dollars a month. But anyway, Casey is my uh, pointed uh, spoiler filter. And whenever I have whenever I'm like, oh, I really want to search this or I want to look up that or whatever. I try and at Casey in our Discord and say, is it safe right. for me to look this up? Or, right. you know, can you look this up instead? So what the was, Discord yeah, what is was awesome. It? I hi- highly recommend it. But yeah, the someone had said in the Discord, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. It was one of your newer um, patrons, but they had sort of mentioned as a reminder that like these, these whole stories are written by hobbits. And so in a lot of ways, they're just explaining what they know. And so part of the reason the magic could go unexplained is just because maybe the hobbits don't quite exactly know how it works so that's a great reminder because at this point i'm 99 percent sure that these books are technically written by bilbo so we only know what bilbo knows and exactly yeah it kind of helps in some instances where if it was some all-knowing person who was writing the book, we would probably the books would probably be twice the size. Right. And it's an interesting writing device for Tolkien to have used of having someone with limited knowledge, technically limited knowledge, write the books, despite the areas where it does go into a myth that I mean that does kind of like go into some plot hole areas where I'm like, okay, but how could right. Bilbo have possibly known like in detail? how the mountains looked in right. or, you know, the history of that or something. I don't know. But um, right. He's yeah. either. Yeah. He's either filling in gaps of his own imagination or he's, you know, asking other people like a journalist and it could be a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a great thing to remind me about. Also, I'm really glad that <laughs> that conversations are happening in the spoiler thread because I have zero idea. I haven't muted. Right. And... <laughs> It is taking every ounce of self-restraint for me to not click on the spoiler thread. Right. Like I might have to, I don't know, I might have to like message Eni or Pixel and say like, can you like remove permissions for me to access the spoiler right. thread so I can't even look at it at all? Do you have it muted at least? Yeah, I do have it muted. So okay, I don't yeah. get any notifications, but I can still click on it if I want to. Right. And right, yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid that one day I'm going to lose all self-restraint and I'm just going to go in and look at it anyway, because that's the yeah. kind of person I am. I like to tell the story a lot that the first piece of Harry Potter part of the books that I read was the epilogue, because I hadn't read the <laughs> books at all when the final one came out, but I wanted to know if Harry lived because I had seen the movies. Yeah. So I picked up the book and read the epilogue. <laughs> and I was like, That's oh, <laughs> he marries Jenny. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking? We were talking about his voice. <laughs> but yeah, it has a very immense power. And you know, sometimes, also sometimes, it's the power and the magic that you don't fully understand that makes it, that can give it more power. 
And it also makes it more scary to encounter because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to conquer it or how to, you know, defeat it or something. Right. Um, Plus, like I mentioned before, how they like personify it because in the very next paragraph, it says it said now, you know, they're not saying Saruman said this. They're saying the voice said this. They're giving it some personhood, um, which also I think makes it scarier and more powerful and then it's funny that he pulls a theoden here and talks about how old he is and like leave me an old, leave me alone i'm just an old man i was thinking about you know on up when uh when what's the when russell the little boy scout what's his name russell comes to the door and yeah. and carl's like i'm elderly and infirm <laughs> like trying to get him to leave <laughs> and i just think that saruman <laughs> and then everyone else is just a bunch of little eager boy scouts boy scouts yeah <laughs> yeah now well now i have in my head, the image of when the house has floated away. Yeah, the house has floated away and Russell is on the porch and he knocks on it and it just cuts to him, yeah. open it and he goes, please let me in. No. That's kind of, I feel like that's, that's kind of them right now. But yeah, yeah I like how exactly. Saruman's like, he acts like, oh, what a surprise that these people are here. I have no idea why you could, like, what right. could have possibly brought you here to disturb me at this time? And then we get our first physical description. Yeah, again, interesting that we get this full description of his voice before we even see him. His face was long with a high forehead. He had deep, darkling eyes, which, by the way, is darkling a word even? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hard. I think it is, but probably another archaic archaic yeah darkling i was like does that is that like a combination of like dark and sparkling if possible i don't know kind of reminds me how whenever jk rowling describes dumbledore there's always like a twinkle or a sparkle in his eyes so i was like maybe that's just how all old man wizards are described in books (laughs) (laughs) hard to fathom though the look that they now bore was grave and benevolent and a little weary His hair and beard were white, but strands of black still showed about his lip and ears. And there's also, throughout this chapter, little instances of the color black popping up, like his staff is black. And it's like, oh, just a reminder, in case you forgot, he's... He's supposed to be a good person, but he's been touched by darkness. Right. Like he's he's the leader of the what they call the white council or he was. And so, you know, he's Saruman the white. He's all white. His beard's all white. But then, you know, like it describes it here, he's got a little bit of black showing on his beard. So there's a little bit of that evil coming through some more of that dark and light imagery that we've already seen so much before. Yeah. Oh, I also wrote down, it feels like Sar. I, I mean, kind of a joke because obviously it didn't exist. I don't, I don't know. I wrote down, is Saruman part Vila? Because that's <laughs> another creature in Harry Potter that has this weird enchantment effect on other people just by right. speaking to that person or being around them. And right. now that I think about it. Well, I actually this, have... There's a really interesting quote from Tolkien himself that he was talking about Saruman's voice, if I may read it, if that's okay with you. Yes, please. Uh, So he says, Saruman's voice was not hypnotic, but persuasive. Those who listened to him were not in danger of falling into a trance, but of agreeing with his arguments while fully awake. It was always open to one to reject by free will and reason, both his voice while speaking and its after impressions. Saruman corrupted the reasoning power, which is very interesting because it does feel more hypnotic in the chapter, but the fact that it's it's not makes it almost more scary like they're fully awake they're fully aware what they're, of what they're doing and that's kind of terrifying yeah i don't know it's like yeah it's like he's put some kind of enchantment on them but they still have their own like they still have their own thoughts and everything so technically like his defense could be after the fact like oh well i didn't make you do that you did that yourself i right. just I just guided you to do that, or I just said something that made you want to do that or made you realize your true thoughts or something. I don't know. Right. And so it's like if you're already weak of mind or weak of will, then you're probably more susceptible to being overcome by it. I yeah. Think. Yeah. By the way, listeners, I was also doing a, a Google, a quick Google search to see if there was some kind of mythical creature similar to a Vila that maybe had inspired the Vila or something. I don't know. Something that could have been around when Tolkien wrote this that maybe inspired this enchantment effect. No. There, so there goes that theory. <laughs> I'm not good at theories. Right. Well, and there's, there are like the, you know, like the sirens or mermaids. Yeah. And there's a lot of okay. There we go. Different, like various cultures that have, you know, different names for the same type of thing of um, sort of enchanting people or 
yeah making them do yeah you're right will, yeah or coming into the water kind of yeah thing. you're right that si- sirens is the is the one that's been around that this this idea this mythical idea i guess has always been around or has been around for a while about there being you know people who use their voices for evil or to draw people in or you know make them do bad things or whatever so that has right. been around so i wonder right. if that un- kind of influenced unfortunately part of this too Right. And unfortunately, in the myth, like it was often a feminine or female character, which is, you know, yeah, <laughs> not, has its other connotations. Yeah. And, and luckily, Tolkien's gone a different direction with it here. But um. yeah. Oh, so he then just talks to or let me Theoden. No, wait. <laughs> Who is it? Saruman. Good Lord. Why can I not remember the name? <laughs> There's so many names now at this point. Anyway, so many names. <laughs> kind of turns into this it says uh the soft voice so he becomes very nice and friendly kind of when he's talking to Theoden because he's trying to he knows that this spell has been broken on Theoden and he knows that Theoden is no longer in his control or manipulation or whatever but he also knows that oh he was under my control once before I bet you you know he's more susceptible to it so he tries to he says all of these things and does all of these things to try and get Theoden to listen to him again and be like, oh, you're on the wrong side. I know what I'm doing. If you would only join me again, see what what you're doing now is, you know, not the right way to accomplish what you could accomplish and all these things. Right. Like there's one there's one sentence I wanted to read mm-hmm. that Saruman says. He says, he's talking to Theoden and he says, much have I desired to see you, mightiest king of Western lands, and especially in these latter years, to save you from the unwise and evil counsels that beset you. Like just that sentence, it starts in flattery and ends in that lie because, I mean, we all know that the evil counsel that's been in his ear has been Wormtongue slash Saruman. So it's it's like almost every sentence I feel like is is like twisting in on itself that Saruman's saying. There's a lot of flattery to sort of mask the lies that he's telling and to try to convince and it's it's terrifying, really. Yeah. Maybe I highlight I feel like there's another quote that I highlighted maybe later where it talks about how Saruman is constantly twisting his words around and he's turning these things that we know to be true and is trying mm. to turn them or he's trying to turn these lies into the truth and turning things, twisting things around where he's implying that like, oh, Gandalf is the, you know, is the unwise and evil counsel. He's the evil person now, and we know that's not true. And it's it's hard to read this like as the as the person who's not physically there. The whole time I was like, do I was like, do something. It's like stop just standing around and listening to him. Right. Like stop like do something to make him stop talking. Isn't this is also just several pages of Saruman talking to them. And yeah. there were just a lot of points where I'm like, Gandalf can surely has some spell that he could do, I don't know, like shoot up at him and tie him up right. or put a, I don't know, they didn't have duct tape then, but put a <laughs> piece of duct tape over his mouth or, you know, something. I was right. like, there's got to be something that they can do to make it so in- incapacitate him in some way to make him stop talking. Because it's because as the as the reader and the person watching it, you're like, oh, you're so dumb. Stop standing around, you know, do something. Yeah. Gandalf's very interesting in this because he starts the chapter. He says, you know, beware of his voice. Mm -hmm. It's very ominous. And clearly Gandalf knows that his voice is where Saruman's, Saruman's power resides. And yet he does. Like you said, he lets him keep talking. I think uh, the way I read it is just that Gandalf wants to give him a chance to turn back and of course yeah yeah, we'll we'll get to that probably but gandalf is too he's like he's too pure too good for this world as the kids used to say a couple years ago that i think is no longer a thing anymore but in this chapter he kind of is because he had he has a lot of he is giving saruman so much more belief and benefit of the doubt than he deserves um, and yeah. there's a there's a line at the end of the chapter that goes into that. So we can talk about that more when we get there. And throughout all of this conversation, Saruman's voice every like every now and then he jumps, he, he'll like change his demeanor where he'll go from being really like nice and, and like, hey, come on, man, I'm your friend. And then he'll 
switch and like lose all of his patience and he'll his voice will turn and become mean and you know angry and they can see the anger in his face and then he'll kind of gain control of himself again and he'll switch back to being nice again it says rough and proud now seemed all his dealings with theoden and over their hearts crept a sh- oh that's right this is This is everyone who's standing around kind of being affected by this. Over their hearts crept... Right, and they're like like comparing the voice of Saruman to Gandalf and and sort of, oh, Gandalf never talked like that to us. Yeah. Over their hearts crept a shadow, the fear of a great danger, the end of the mark in a darkness to which Gandalf was driving them, while Saruman stood beside a door of escape, holding it half open so that a ray of light came through. There was a heavy silence. So yeah, just... Again, seeing this picture that Saruman is trying to sell to everyone of, see, I can lead you guys to the point where you're not going to die. Gandalf is going to lead you all to your own demise. Right. And and also we get like a reversal of that light and dark imagery here, where before, you know, Saruman's associated with the darkness and everyone yeah. thinks Saruman's evil. And here, because he's used his voice and his vocal powers that in their minds that that imagery has has flipped in that passage. Yeah. And then Gimli jumps in and he's kind of the the voice of reason at this point. It says in the language of oh this is what I was this was the quote I was thinking of earlier. In the language of Orthanc help means ruin and saving means slaying. That is plain, but we do not come here to beg. So G- Gimli is there kind of to remind everyone be like guys don't listen to him. He's lying. And then yeah. I love this because Saruman's like, I wasn't talking to you, Gimli. <laughs> oh, I will bring this up at this point because he says, yeah, I do not speak to you, Gimli, Glowin's son or Gloin. And this has been a point of contention in the right. Tolkien about listenership i don't know because someone sent me ethan was very adamant and google kind of proved him right that it's pronounced glowing glowing i don't know but someone sent me and i'm sorry i don't remember who sent it to me someone sent me a video clip from the movie of the council of elrond scene i think it it must have been shoot what's his name the the elf the oh elrond elrond (laughs) i'm so dumb the council of elrond and i couldn't remember elrond's name (laughs) i literally said council of elrond gosh (laughs) oh that was dumb anyway someone sent me a clip and said like go to one minute and 27 seconds and it says gloin so right i think it's up for interpretation however you want to say it it's just not it is. glowing, I think. Glo- the, glowing. Right. The interesting maybe. thing is, because I always thought it was glowing as well because of the movie. And I think the, you know, they had Tolkien linguists on set and See, stuff. And I think that's, part of it is that's the, why I think I can be confident but, with the movie pronunciation. But, but the problem is I have like a, a Tolkien dictionary and it talks about how a lot of words, O-I, are spelled like, or are pronounced oi you know like boy and toy but they also don't have accents on any of those letters and also some people i've 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 looked it up online because i was curious and a lot of people are saying no it it is like glowing the reason i would suggest it's probably glowing and not glowing is that gloin's dad so gimli's grandpa his name is groin so i'm pretty sure it's not groin i'm pretty (laughs) sure it's probably growing Unless Tolkien, I mean, he liked to play with words unless he was making a really weird joke. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Not to throw a wrench into everything. It's, but. <laughs> it is. I joke a lot about like, man, I'm really glad Tolkien isn't around these days to have a Twitter. But it would be nice to tweet at him and be like, how do you pronounce right. gloin, glowing? How right. do you do it? So right. <laughs> <laughs> point being is that I think either pronunciation could be accepted because... The movie pronounced it Gloin, and they had all of those Tolkien experts there, and blah blah. blah. Maybe right. they'll they'll mention it at some point in the Amazon series, and they also have maybe Gloin is the main character. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Also, if anyone out there listening has anything to do with the Amazon Prime series, I'm sure I definitely have all of the executive producers of that of that show listening right. right now. I'm sure they're they're big fans of Tolkien about. <laughs> Can you let me know a date, even even a rough 
estimate of a year when that series is coming out because it would be so ideal if I finished the books, I watched the movies, and then I do The Hobbit, and then I do The Hobbit movies, and then whatever extra pieces. It would be so ideal if the series was ready about maybe this time next year would be great because then I could just roll into doing this series. The ideal would be you finish The Hobbit and you're just about to get ready to start The Silmarillion because Ethan says you have to. Yes. And then they're like, oh, Amazon series is coming out next week. And you'll be like, oh, sorry, Ethan. This is more important and more topical. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more listeners by talking about this. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what's going to (laughs) happen. Perfect. So if you're listening and you happen to be in charge of the Amazon Prime (laughs) Lord of the Rings series, it would be great if you could hit a a deadline soon so that, that, you know, this small podcaster can can plan out the next year or so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sorry, side note. I don't mean to talk more about the series. I saw that they casted someone, they said, as a young... I think it was a young Galadriel, maybe. And I was like, but isn't a young Galadriel just Galadriel? Doesn't, (laughs) isn't, I was like, she's, she doesn't age. She looks the same. Like she's described as being ageless and, and young and youthful and beautiful all the time. And like, wouldn't, wouldn't a young, I don't know. It just, it got me. Right. Plus Kate Blanchett doesn't seem to age. So you might as well just use Kate Blanchett again. Like yeah. she looks the same. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hey there, this is Mary Clay from the future jumping in to say that we recorded this episode before the big announcements came out with all of those cast updates and talking about who had been cast in the series. So that's why we don't mention it or bring it up here. But let me know, is that something that you want to have bonus episodes or extra episodes or whatever on as updates are coming in and announcements about the series? Do you want me to talk about that? Are you not wanting me to talk about it because I know so little about about the the universe and everything. Give me, give me your input. I'll be putting, uh, I'll put some polls up and and whatnot on Tolkien about Pod social media accounts, various wherever you follow those. Where were we? Yeah. So that was a whole. <laughs> That was a whole detour because of, <laughs> because of Gimli, point. son of Gloin, and or Gloine. <laughs> Who's to say? Oh, yeah. AMR is also kind of on the side of like, what are we doing standing around here? He kind of jumps in like Gimli jumped in. And, and he says, now we feel the peril that we were warned of. Have we ridden forth to victory only to stand at last amazed by an old liar with honey on his forked tongue? I also love that phrase, honey, on his forked tongue. So good. Yeah, he's that voice of reason of like, Gandalf literally just warned us. He just told us like five minutes ago and we're already all standing here listening to him. Let's let's pay attention to what's happening here, people. But it also just goes to show that he can't possibly be as susceptible to this as... Theoden is, it just shows how affected Theoden was uh, by Saruman's slash worm tongues, you know, spell or whatever, that he's standing here silent, just listening. Because at this point, Theoden hasn't even spoken yet. He's just standing there like... I'm just imagining like he keeps trying to he keeps opening his mouth as if to say something, but he doesn't even know what to say. So he closes his mouth again. Yeah, because even before it describes how you know, Theoden opened his mouth to speak, but then he said nothing. And then, you know, Gandalf stood silent and Theoden hesitated. And then the writers are silent. Like there's a lot of, like clearly the voice is having mm-hmm. an effect on the yeah. people. And the, it seems like the first effect that it's having is to sort of almost like strike them all dumb. Yeah, the yeah. They're all just the word, standing you know? in awe. Like we, we don't even, I'm imagining their minds are just blank right now because they don't even know what to do or, or say or anything. Um, yeah. Oh, the other thing throughout this whole conversation is... I was like, I'm I'm guessing that it's going to take a little bit more than just a conversation to get Saruman back on their side. I was right. I was pretty certain that by the end of this chapter, Saruman would still be up in his tower throwing a temper tantrum and and that they wouldn't have him like, now that you said that I can turn a new leaf. Yeah, I'll turn a new leaf and I'll join your side. Awesome. Sounds great. You know, there's got to be. So I'm interested to see what else that will be, um, which I guess will be in the next chapter because that's the end of the book or book three, I mean. Oh, yeah. Then Theoden finally is able to, he finally is able to speak because 
Is this still? No, it's Saruman talking. And he's like, so what do you say? Are you going to join me? And finally, Theoden is able to speak. And he's saying, no, we're not going to do this. He says, we will have peace when you and all your works have perished. The works of your dark master to whom you would deliver us. You are a liar, Saruman, and a corrupter of men's hearts. You hold out your hand to me, and I perceive only a finger of the claw of Mordor, cruel and cold. So finally, you know, because everyone's kind of standing there like, oh, is Theoden actually believing him? Is he actually going to agree and go on Saruman's side again? And so we get this reassurance that no, he... He's finally able to kind of like shake himself out of it and be like, no, no, this is ridiculous. Well, and then I love like Theoden seems to be getting more and more angry. And he says, when you hang from a gibbet at your window for the sport of your own crows, I will have I will have peace with you and Orthanc. I yeah. couldn't help but think of the the Parks and Rec episode of um, the model <laughs> UN, yeah. the mock UN. And and Leslie was like, I, I wrote it too, down. She goes too so far <laughs> yeah. with the insult. She says, the only thing I will be waving is your decapitated head on a stick in front of your weeping mother. <laughs> the only Leslie. thing I will be waving is your decapitated head on a stick in front of your weeping mother. <laughs> oh, it's like exactly so like this. Good. <laughs> so good. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, Saruman's getting really angry. Yeah, gibbets and crows, he hissed, and they shuddered at the hideous change. Also, dotard? What is dotard? I meant to look that up. That's just like a servant, so someone who dotes, basically. Okay. Man, what a... Tolkien really... I know he didn't have, like, Google or, like, oh, right-click thesaurus. Right. But it feels like it sometimes, where he specifically chooses really archaic words to, to throw in there every now and then. Yeah. But yeah, that they shuddered at the hideous change. So just once again, he's losing his patience and he loses himself for a minute and then he'll kind of like pull it together again. And oh, I was wrong. A dotard is like an old senile person. It probably comes, it probably has shares something with to dote, but yeah. So even meaner than that. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense because then he transitions into talking about Gandalf. And while, yes, Saruman is the evil person in this situation... Some of the things he says about Gandalf are not wrong exactly, or maybe they were not. It's like a lot of those are very true, especially about Gandalf the Grey. They might not be as true now that he's Gandalf the White. Mm, But he says, you are proud and do not love advice, having indeed a store of your own wisdom. That I was like, I mean, he's not. It's not 100% right because Gandalf does seek out the help of other people and enlists other people, but it's not wrong either that he has a store of his own wisdom, just always throwing out advice, whether or not, you know, or, you know, wise sayings or whatever, whether or not people want it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's another way that Saruman's so scary is because not everything he says is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... There's a lot of lies and flattery in there, but there's some little bits of truth in there too. And that's what, yeah. that's how he convinces people. Yeah. It is very much like a, he is the politician of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. And y- like, you can definitely see some, I mean, if you think about the time that Tolkien was writing this and how, you know, World War II is going on and all the, all the tyrants, it's hard not to think about Hitler or other people yeah, like Hitler when that's you read exactly about how Saruman. About, yeah. And obviously like, you know, it's been mentioned before, Tolkien hated that one-to-one allegory. You know, he didn't write Saruman as, um, you know, as Hitler necessarily, but Tolkien also didn't, he wasn't against applying things to the history that we know. So he didn't like how Lewis, you know, Aslan is Jesus. It's a one-to-one relationship. But Tolkien was more about like being subtle about it. And that's not to say that there isn't symbolism for the history or that you as a reader can't take some some history and apply it to Middle Earth or vice versa. Like he had, Mm -hmm. there was one little, passage he said oh here we go Tolkien Tolkien once said he said I'm sorry I just bumped my mic he said I much prefer history true or feigned with its varied applicability to the thought and experience of readers I think that many confuse applicability with allegory but the one resides in the freedom of the reader and the other in the purpose domination of the author so I think like the way I interpret that is just that you know he's not saying oh the ring equals nuclear war or or, um, nuclear weapons it's that as a reader, you can apply whatever symbolism you want to it. Mm-hmm. Just that, just know that Tolkien himself was drawing from a lot of different things and sort of combining them to create his story. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, the I think the past 
two chapters and now this one i've brought up that every now and then there are instances that tolkien inserts where and it's it's really minor things but i'm seeing them a lot more where it's like tiny doses of this is a very realistic thing that happens in real life war and this happens yeah. now where like that's how leaders that's how corrupt people rise to power is they they might be lying or they might be you know manipulating people or spewing hatred or whatever but sometimes they'll insert a half truth or you know yeah. they'll they'll say something that you're like well i mean yeah he does make a point there so i guess i can see how you know if x is true i see how y is true also just fo how this chapter focuses on the voice aspect a lot of people say that even though he he was an awful, awful man, Hitler was a very powerful speaker and a very powerful right. like that's how he got that's how he got so right, many exactly. people to to follow him and to listen to him is because he was a very powerful orator. Yeah. And that's what gave him his power. And that's what he was very you know, you don't want to hear it, but he was like charismatic and people listened to him because they said things, he said things that, you know, applied to them or they could relate or, you know, something like that. And that's how you get like, that's how that's how bad people rise to power. And that's how they get followings. And right. it's scary. And it's also I think that's what makes this such a good fantasy series is that there are these things that you can see where it happens in real life. Yeah, and like this whole Hitler Saruman thing, even though I'm definitely not for like, just to clarify, I'm definitely not saying like, oh, Saruman is Hitler, because I don't want right. I don't, to, I don't ever want to simplify something so horrible down to something like that. Right. Especially because I think that Sar the way that the story is going, I think that Saruman is going to flip and come over to the good side. But anyway, that that got into a really intense discussion, but it's well, good. Well, that's okay. Man. And that's, I think it's really hard or it's really hard to read this chapter and not think about that, to not think about the context in which it was written and also to apply it to, you know, history that's happening now. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to not read about Saruman and think about what people do I know that have these really awesome voices that seem to convince a lot of people, but they're kind of sort of lying a lot and giving a lot of flattery? Like, mm -hmm. it's hard not to read this chapter and, you know, not think about that. Yeah, exactly. Talking, so for, turns to talking about the all the people who are there watching. It says, but they were shut out listening at a door to words not meant for them. Ill-mannered children or stupid servants overhearing the elusive discourse of their elders and wondering how it would affect their lot and this is ultimately what there's another Gandalf has a line later on that kind of describes this effect but ultimately this is this is Saruman's kind of hubris that he he like his hubris is also like arrogance and stuff but it's that he is not able to speak directly to one person to try and get them on their side without the other people on the outside watching and being affected by it in a different way and feeling like, oh, I feel this makes me feel awful watching this. And it kind of it changes how they view Saruman. And that's what that's his undoing. Yeah, Gandalf, Gandalf basically tells him off and is like, well, even before even before that, like, you know, back to when Theoden was you know, the, the power was broken a little bit and Theoden starts yelling at Saruman. And he ends what he's saying. He says, I fear your voice has lost its charm. Yeah, and that's it. I wanted to go back to that because I think it's interesting in the in the context of what we were talking about with um, these powerful people with powerful voices. And yeah, Theoden's a king, but compared to a wizard, he's just a man. And so I think there's there's um, real value and power, power in that theme of um, the people. You know, we the people have a voice too. And our voice can match the voice of these people in power, this, um, these evil, corrupt people. I think that's really awesome and um, important to know. And then even just applying it to the story itself, it's this is Theoden's moment of, you know, he says, I fear your voice has lost its charm, but he's not just speaking about lost its charm for everyone, but for him specifically. Mm. Like this is his, you know what, I win moment. I've won this, I've beat you. Um, and obviously Saruman doesn't go away right away. Like Theoden has some doubts in a few paragraphs later, um, but at least the cracks are starting to show. And I just, I love that moment. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like, I mean, but not really. I'm, I, all of a sudden it just popped into my head how the way that you defeat a bogger is by 
laughing at it because when you laugh, you take away the power from it to make you afraid. And when you take away someone else's ability to like have power over you or make you afraid, that's what can defeat it ultimately. When you no longer give someone the permission to have, you know, to hold something over your head or, or whatever is when is when they no longer are powerful or can have a power over yeah, you. Yeah, I love that. So Saruman is now trying to get Gandalf over on his side and say like, there's all this power you can have and there's stuff we can do and you're going the wrong direction. And I love that he says, I bore you no ill will. He imprisoned him. <laughs> Saruman <laughs> imprisoned Gandalf. Like that's a straight, that's just like once again where you're like, okay, dude, that's a straight up lie. You imprisoned him. <laughs> Gandalf gets back and says, Oh, yeah, because Saruman invites it. He's like, come on in. Let's talk. And Gandalf says, nay, the guest who has escaped from the roof will think twice before he comes back in by the door. Nay, I do not think I will come up. But listen, Saruman, for the last time. Will you not come down? Isengard proved less strong than your hope and fancy made it. So may other things in which you still have trust. Would it not be well to leave it for a while, to turn to new things perhaps? Think well, Saruman, will you not come down? So this is Gandalf giving him his last chance to make his own decision to come down and start over and join them in the fight against evil. Once he's just like, look around, there's absolutely nothing here for you. The The power and everything and glory that you thought you were going to have is not going to happen, bro. There's only what there are two ways that this is going to end. And one of them is with you being completely destroyed and dead and you're not going to have any power at all. And the other way is with us. A shadow passed over Saruman's face. Then it went deathly white. Before he could conceal it, they saw through the mask the anguish of a mind in doubt, loathing to stay and dreading to leave its refuge. And I loved that, loathing to stay and dreading to leave its refuge. So I think that's kind of the moment that they can see where Saruman is realizing I'm not going to have this power. My plan isn't going to happen. But at the same time, he's also... At this point, he's too proud to admit, yeah, I'll come with you. So I just, I love that. Loathing to stay and dreading to leave. So he's just yeah. stuck. And that's also very literal because he stays in his tower and he he can't right. go anywhere. So Saruman turns around. To, he's like, I'm done with this conversation. I'm leaving. And then this is when the second half of the chapter could easily it could be named like the voice of the voices of Saruman and Gandalf or something because right. now it transitions into Gandalf's voice has all of the power come back Saruman yeah. said Gandalf in a commanding voice to the amazement of the others Saruman turned again and as if dragged against his will he came he came slowly back to the iron rail leaning on it breathing hard so he has been you know, some kind of whatever power that Gandalf has takes over Saruman and brings him back to listen to them. Oh, I love that. And then later, and then he says, and then Gandalf says, or he raised his hand and spoke clearly in a clear, cold voice. Saruman, your staff is broken. There was a crack and the staff split asunder in Saruman's hand. The head of it fell down at Gandalf's feet. Go, said Gandalf. With the cry, Saruman fell back and crawled away. I love that. Like just him saying your staff is broken is what breaks it. It is that, you know, symbolically this chapter starts, Saruman has the power and then Gandalf sort of takes the power with the voice. But it is a literal thing. You think about Gandalf, he was Gandalf the Grey. As Gandalf the Grey, he could not have done this. This is a Gandalf the White power that he has now because Saruman was Saruman the White and he had that power of the voice but he's not Saruman the White anymore he's been stripped of that title he's goes by Saruman of the many colors or whatever and Gandalf even says you have no color now and I cast you from the order and from the council Tolkien has even said like this is one of those moments that Gandalf came back for the reason that he was sent back as Gandalf the White was to strip Saruman of his power, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. And kind of, he kind of officially denounces him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good. And then this is what I don't, I was kind of confused about. So something is thrown from the window and it's some kind of, they describe it as like a crystal glass orb or something. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's thrown from the window. The rail rang and snapped. The stair cracked and splintered in glittering sparks, but the ball was unharmed. Oh, yeah, a yeah. globe of crystal dark, but glowing with the heart of fire. And and then Pippin runs away and picks it up because it lands far away. And so he goes to run and pick <laughs> it up. Because it's Pippin. <laughs> but um, that was kind of confusing because I was like, what's this random thing that is also being accompanied by lightning? And I was very confused because I was like, yeah. is that Saruman striking them with lightning? But he just lost his staff. And I, I don't know. I was kind of confused about I that. Think the, but... So the sparks, I think, are just from the the this crystal ball, this black orb. I won't say what it's called okay. yet. This is... I'm not going to give you too much on this because it's I was going to say, it's kind later. of implied that this is a very important yeah. thing. And I'm like, all right, I guess very, we'll learn about that yeah. soon. Yeah. As far as objects go, this one's pretty important. So I think it's just that the orb falls, you know, Wormtongue is in a higher window. He throws it down and Aragorn says he wasn't sure if he wanted to kill Gandalf or Sauron more. And so he missed both. And the orb lands on the stairs. I think it's just the the impact that's causing sparks to fly. Oh, kind of a thing. okay. Um as it rolls but yeah i don't want to say much more about it <laughs> yeah and then pippin comes like running up look i can help right <laughs> and gandalf of course like chastises him i did not ask you to handle it he cried turning sharply and seeing pippin coming up the stairs i love that yeah so he takes it from him and they all leave and then gandalf kind of they kind of have a debrief and gandalf explains a little bit of what happened and why Saruman wasn't able to have as much power over them as he might have once been. He says, first Saruman was shown that the power of his voice was waning. He cannot be both tyrant and counselor. So that's what undid him is that he was there trying to like yell at Gandalf and then also get Theoden back on his side. And then once he couldn't get Theoden back on his side, he was trying to yell at him and scare him. And then all the people watching are getting these confused, like conflicting feelings about him. He's going to stay up there. And he says, we cannot destroy or think from without, but Sauron, who knows what he can do? And if Sauron does not conquer, what will you do to him? Asked Pippin. I? Nothing, said Gandalf. I will do nothing to him. I do not wish for mastery. What will become of him? I cannot say. I grieve that so much that was good now festers in the tower. And this is where I was like, Gandalf, you're too you're too good for your own good (laughs) where like he could have like he has every reason to be like oh yeah if Saruman decides to come down now I'm gonna kill him or you know something like that but the fact that he I do not wish for mastery he doesn't care about being the most powerful wizard he doesn't care if Saruman is alive or dead but he he's he's not gonna do it he is gonna leave him be because that's that's not up to him and he And it's also in part because he knows how good Saruman used to be. And it's sad for him to see him now where he's gone. He's gone in such a like downward spiral. And then <laughs> I love this part. Uh, he says, I guess that even if we had entered in, we could have found few treasures in Orthanc more precious than the thing which Wormtongue threw down at us. A shrill shriek suddenly cut off came from an open window high above. It seems that Saruman thinks so too, said Gandalf. Let us leave them. So I love that. <laughs> like in the background, you hear like Wormtongue. I don't know, possibly being killed? Who knows? Or slapped or something. Yeah, who knows? It does It does make me wonder because, once again, I'm assuming that Saruman at some point is going to, you know, come around and he'll join them. I don't know if that means that Wormtongue is going to join them because Theoden said, oh, well, the next time I see, you know, run away, little boy, and if I ever see you again, you better hope that I never see you again because if right. I do, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's just kind of interesting to think about. And then... Our good old pal Treebeard shows up yeah. and they, they fill him in and they ask him to, they, they say that Saruman's up in his tower and they he says, oh, we and the, the Ents and I will take care of him, we'll guard him, we're not going to let him leave. And that's kind of their plan. They meet, he meets Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli for the first time. And I yes. love this. And Legolas <laughs> is like starstruck. So 
he's like, oh yeah. my god, it's it's a tree. It's it's what I've it's what I've you know wished my whole life I could see. And he says, I've made a, a bargain with a friend, and we're gonna come visit Fangorn if we both live to see the day after all of this. And we're gonna go see Fangorn because I you know I want to see it. It's beautiful. That's where you're from. And Treebeard says, oh, you and any elf is welcome. And then he says, oh, it's not an elf, it's Gimli. <laughs> and I love this because Gimli also, so he bends over to bow and his axe falls out, which is like the worst yeah. timing ever. <laughs> uh, and I love this. A dwarf and an axe bearer. Hmm. I have good will to elves, but you ask much. This is a strange friendship. I love that. This is a strange <laughs> friendship. Um, and Legolas, uh, strange it may seem, said Legolas, but while Gimli lives, I shall not come to Fangorn alone. His axe is not for trees, but for orc necks. Oh, Fangorn, master of Fangorn's wood. 42, oh, 42 he hewed in, a ba- in the battle. So... I just love all of that. I just love all of that. That yeah. Legolas is like, no, it's my buddy. Like, I'm not going to go there without him. He He's a good guy. And also, by the way, he killed 42 orcs. Isn't that awesome? Because they're right. still keeping score, well, I guess. I love that it's like they're in the midst of this great danger and war and all this stuff. But Legolas is planning like forest picnics Vacation, with his buddy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, after, hey, after this is over, we're going to have a picnic in Fangorn. That's the plan. Yeah, yeah. And I also love that he's so adamant about the fact that he can't he can't even, like, picture going to Fangorn without Gimli there. He's like, oh, it's, it's so either cute. me and Gimli or no Fangorn at all. <laughs> so good, so good. And then uh, Gandalf is saying that they're going to have to leave. And he says, I... We'll have to take your gate, your gatekeepers from you, which are Merry and Pippin. And <laughs> I'm just laughing. It says, but you will manage well enough without them. Maybe I shall, said Treebeard, but I shall miss them. We have become friends in so short a while that I think I must be getting hasty, growing backwards <laughs> towards youth, perhaps. I love that. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah, and then so he, cute. <laughs> he sings the little verse of his song that he has now officially included hobbits in. Um, so nice. What a fun friendship. I love it. And then so much happy stuff happening. <laughs> and then Treebeard is like, they're t- he's talking to Mary and Pippin. I'm glad we've met, blah, blah, blah. You know, be safe. And Mary and Pippin are like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll take care of ourselves. Bye. And they just kind of run off. And Treebeard yeah. is standing there like, like, wow, those those hobbits sure are hasty. Hasty, yep. <laughs> He's kind of just standing. Uh, Treebeard looked at them and was silent for a while, shaking his head thoughtfully. I love that because he's like, oh, these hasty hobbits. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. <laughs> then they also say that they, he, Gandalf thinks that there are tunnels underneath Orthanc that uh, Saruman could possibly leave through. So he instructs Treebeard and the Ents to flood it again. So the only way out is through his tower. And Gandalf says, but there it is. Saruman remains to nurse his hatred and we again such webs as he can i love that he's nursing his hatred he's just going to be up there sulking and stewing until he's finally able to either come to his senses or fix together whatever plan he can at this point and treebeard reassures him that the only the answer here and he's he's not going anywhere because we live forever so we will probably outlive him here (laughs) and he's not going anywhere and that's the end of the chapter and i really i really hope it's not like i really hope that wasn't our tree beard send-off i hope that wasn't goodbye i'm gonna be so upset you have you can plead the fifth whatever you don't have to say anything but i really hope we see tree beard at least in Return of the King with whatever huge epic battle happens. I hope that like the Ents show up out of nowhere and it's like, ah, oh, we're saved. So, right. man, I love, tri- I get why people are like, Tribute's great. Because as soon as he showed up, I was like, this is great. I love this section. Why couldn't this whole chapter have been this one little section? Just all of that for so 10 good. pages. So, um, <laughs> well, Casey, what did you think of that chapter? I, I really like this chapter. I'm glad I, I did it. Actually, I have some uh, some fun little trivia about this chapter yes, if I can share please. real quick. Man, I it, love having it, you and uh, Valerie on because you guys do all this fun <laughs> extra research. It's great. I love learning all of these little tidbits. This was like 13, 14 years after Lord of the Rings was written. And there was just some magazine or newspaper doing a, a bit on Tolkien. And they sent him like the draft of what they were going to write about him and like how they 
worded his interview and whatnot because he has a lot of thoughts. And so he was like writing it back about basically like critiquing the draft as Tolkien <laughs> would do. And uh, so th this first little part is what they had written. Um, and it's quoting, it says, of C.S. Lewis's comments on Lord of the Rings. And Tolkien had said, when he would say, you can d do better than that, better, Tolkien, please, I would try. I'd sit down and write the section over and over. That happened with the scene I think is the best in the book, the confrontation between Gandalf and his rival wizard, Saruman, in the ravaged city of Isengard. And so that was like a quote that he had said. And then this is what he wrote back about that little part of the draft. I do not think the Saruman passage the best in the book, even though he just said <laughs> he that. He said it, know. yeah. <laughs> it says, it is much better than the first draft, that is all. I mentioned the passage because it is, in fact, one of the very few places where, in the event, I found Lewis's detailed criticisms useful and just. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> that's like a backhanded compliment, friends, <laughs> right? And it's like he asks Tolkien, he asks for Lewis's like help on all this stuff, and this is the one place where he thought it was just so great but then he goes on he says i cut out some passages of light-hearted hobbit conversation which he found tiresome thinking that if he did most other readers if any would feel the same i do not think the event has proved him right to tell the truth he never really liked hobbits very much least of all Marion pippin but a great <laughs> deal of readers do and would like more than they have got it is of interest the passages that now move me most written so long ago that i read them now as if they had been written by someone else are the end of the chapter, Lothlorien, and I'm not going to read the other part because it could be spoilery. But I'm just going to leave you in the dark there. <laughs> oh, I love that. But I just love that. <laughs> I So because this is an auditory audio only experience, when Casey said the part about Tolkien listened to his note where he originally had a lighthearted Hobbit passage or whatever, and then he took yeah. it out because Lewis told him to, I did full on like, Home Alone. Home Alone face. face yeah. <laughs> hands on my, yeah, hands on my cheeks. Like, what? No, that would have been great to have more so, lighthearted right? Hobbit stuff. So we're missing some Marion Pippin stuff that must have, some been sort of antics here. or something that went I on there. I bet you it was while they were waiting, while everyone was up at the mm, tower, probably. and then they're just kind of like sitting yeah. there like, oh, I, okay, I guess we'll sit here alone. That would have, I did kind of expect <laughs> that it would flash back to Marion Pippin doing something. That would have been fun, but. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. I love, I don't know. I love that whole interaction of, first of all, I love that Lewis's note was like, you can do, like, do better. You can do better. I know that yeah. you have it in you. You're a good writer. And this could be a whole lot better. Like, it's good, but you can make this really, really good. And I love that yeah. Lewis could see that in Tolkien and that he wanted that for Tolkien. And then I, al I also just love that, like, <laughs> the whatever the backhanded compliment he gave that, like, Oh, this yeah. was the first time where I really actually took his advice to heart. And it was actually really yeah. good, implying that like <laughs> the other times where he's given advice, it's been like, no, that's really bad. I'm not going to do that. That's right. dumb. So, yeah. <laughs> man. Also just reminds me, I saw something recently. Actually, I think Becca sent it to me in Discord. So yesterday, it was like all over Lord of the Rings Twitter that like, oh, 20 years ago today, Ian McKellen arrived in New Zealand for filming of Lord of oh, the Rings. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And I didn't actually, I didn't click on the link. So I don't know if it was like actually real or not. But Ian McKellen sure. shared something that was like, oh, when I was filming Lord of the Rings, I kept a journal. And then he said like, nowadays called a blog. So here it is. And he <laughs> shared his journal that he had during Lord of the Rings. And I really want to read it. But I also feel like I need to be a good podcast host and, and wait until I see the movies at least. So um, right. just kind of on a similar note of like, you know, notes and letters and stuff by the people directly involved with it. Yes, I have seen that Ian McKellen has shared his his notes from the movie filming time. And I'm very excited to read that in, I don't know, maybe a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But well, uh, all that being said, Casey, what would you like to share with our audience? Sure. So as has been said, I am the co-host of Hello From Elsewhere with my co-host Valerie, who was on last episode. And we sort of explore the themes and we get some history and trivia in there of pop culture and we cover all kinds of stuff. Lord of the Rings, but also Star Wars and Harry Potter and anything you can imagine, really. We have yeah. a lot of fun. Listeners, go find the most recent episode of Hello from Elsewhere and listen to it because it's all about, you guys have a heavy discussion of Lord of the Rings names. So 
That's right yep. up the alley of hopefully a lot of the people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> right. There'll be some Harry Potter in there too. So I know there's a lot of Harry Potter fans yeah. listening as well. So it's kind of a double dose. Is there a piece of media, whether it's a book, a movie, a TV show, something that you would recommend to people if they already enjoy Lord of the Rings? The one that comes to mind is on, on Disney Plus, there's a movie from the 80s called Willow. It's very 80s, but it is like high fantasy Definitely inspired by Lord of the Rings. So it's a Lucas film. George Lucas produced it. Ron Howard directed it. It is very similar in story, at least like the first act in Lord of the Rings. It's, except instead of a ring, it's a baby. But there's little people taking this baby on a grand adventure. It is so funny, but so good. And I love it so much. And I can't recommend it enough. Keep in mind, it's like I said, it's very 80s, but uh, it's good. I love that. It's so good. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about all of that and all of the wonderful shows on the network, like Hello from Elsewhere, by going to WBE. I didn't say that right. <laughs> By going to <laughs> WBNE.org. And you should also listen to Isaac Carlson's podcast on the network called Following Dreams, which you will hear more about now. Hello, fun people. I'm Isaac Carlson. And on Following Dreams, I'm focused on exploring the stories of people who are following their passions and achieving their dreams. After years of creating Disney videos for my YouTube channel, Watso Videos, I wanted to continue my goal of spreading magic by creating a podcast that strives to help inspire you to pursue what you love by hearing how others have done it. By interviewing creative people who have been able to live their lives as artists, animators, YouTubers, and business owners, together we get to hear the stories of wonderful people while also uncovering what it takes to follow your dreams. The cover is by Graphite. Uh, you can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. There's also a Facebook group. Someone just posted in the Facebook group that on the Nerdfighteria yearly annual survey they recommended Tolkien about in the section where you can recommend podcasts that you like and what you're oh, and nice. I was like you don't understand how much that means to me that's so nice that's thank you uh, it just made me so happy but anyway yeah join the Facebook group everyone there is great you can also support the podcast by becoming a patron go to patreon.com slash talking about pod okay and now that I have pulled up my sponsor of the week it is Johan Gilhode? I'm so sorry, Johan. I'm so sorry for how I butchered your last name, but thank you dearly for being this episode's sponsor. I appreciate it so much. That's that's it, right? Yes, that's it. Casey, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Beware of his voice. Ooh, and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>